Yeah, so the need for speed. The need for speed is there for sure. I was I was writing up the show notes and I was thinking about recapping 2023. And we can pass on, you know, the rise um and explosion of Flipper in 2023, right? Um it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. last year we saw it, but it wasn't as in the mainstream as it was this year, especially after the uh, some of the more um, um, headline-grabbing news came out uh, regarding, for example, the Bluetooth spamming, right? That's the biggest thing. I mean, Financial Times did an article on Bluetooth spamming and... Uh, and and the dangers of the flipper device then i think england banned the flipper as a carry-on item um this week a particular incident that uh, we had talked about among ourselves but uh came to light with the bluetooth spamming is that a twitter user um, a friend of mine um preface uh, was at a conference, she needed to use her pacemaker or health monitoring device, uh, which was paired with her phone to monitor her panic attacks. And somebody was spamming Bluetooth uh, low energy and crashing iPhones, uh, Bluetooth stacks. And then people came out with the woodworks and said, yeah, blood glucose levels, heart monitors, all of that. And then uh, MG a uh, world-renowned hacker for OMG Cable and some other of the other devices jumped on the bandwagon too um, in a positive way saying, um, you know, don't do this. And I've always said, like, there is a fine line between a prank and being a jackass, right? It's the same way, like, I hate cell phone jammers in public space. I mean, people bring them to conferences for fun. It's okay if you turn it on once in a while, but don't leave it on, right? You know, we have seen cases where people use cell phone jammers on trains because they don't want people to be able to make calls. Well, some people's life might depend on it or they might not get that call they need to take, right? So the um, this argument about the Bluetooth spamming, I think there are three camps of thoughts. Um, one is that Apple is to blame. Two is Flipper is to blame. And three, where I stand is, they're all kind of to blame. Like, at AV Tokyo, I brought my Bluetooth low-energy spammer that I made out of an ESP32. We sat around the table, and I told everybody, turn your Bluetooth on, I'll show you something fun. I turned it on, popped the notification, then turned it off, right? I agree that part of the blame is on Apple, but at the same time, I also understand why Apple made that decision. I mean, convenience, right? If it's too hard for people to pair things together, you know, Nobody's going to use it. Um, Part of the blame is also on, I think, not maybe necessarily Flipper, but the app developments of that Bluetooth low spammer, that it only has, I think, zero or crash. There is no, like, volume control where you could just showcase it, I think. Um, I might be wrong. There's so many different apps and firmwares out there for the Flipper that, you know, Mainly, maybe the mainline one does have a volume control as far as you know yeah. how much, 
but there's probably a one out there that, that only goes all the way until it crashes the device, right? I was going to say, yeah, there's kind of like a, a spectrum there, right? Like right. sending one or two, yeah, it's annoying, it's kind of cute, whatever. But it's like it's it's manageable. Right. Causing a phone to reboot, like that's that's. And then people are like, "Well, don't use an iPhone." It's like that's not the problem, you know. It's just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm 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 kind of conflicted on the issue myself because of uh, you know it is kind of novel and it's fun. Remember when you could send a text message to people and then it would reboot their phones? Uh, I, I mean, like I two thousand thirteen. We had, I think that um, SSAID vulnerability that it, we showed last year that would actually crash the iPhone that you all had to do a hard reset is way more malicious than, you know, than a Bluetooth spam that reboots it. But at the same time, proving a point is one thing, right? And even if you wanted to prove the point by being able to crash it, that would be okay if it was in a preset environment, I think. Like, yeah. you know, when all the parties agree, yes, I want to see the iPhone crash. It's the same issue I have with the DDoS attacks. I hate undirected attacks. Right. Because, yeah. like, the Bluetooth low energy spamming is undirected. If it was directed, I would have a totally different view of this. It's like unleashing a big fart in a crowded elevator. <laughs> a fart that reboots the iPhone. Yeah, I mean, you know. a fart that makes everybody else fart. Right. I mean, uh, like, if it was directed, if I was to like put a bottle on my ass, fart into it, and go up to you and say, "Hey, dark matter, smell this," and it would be the same fart, I'd be totally okay with it. Right. Because I have control of the impact. I just want to say this, I'm not fine with that. <laughs> I think it's a shitty idea. <laughs> it is a shitty idea. Aro, let go of your shitty ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think that it's 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 definitely one of those things that um yeah, we know there's an issue and you, like you're it's not funny. <laughs> like it was funny the first time you saw it, but now here's the here's the, the the biggest issue that I see with it is that that makes it more gray area is it's like yeah the accessibility of it because of the flipper zero I think that that makes it a bigger problem because it's like literally you go on your app click download an app install and then in two seconds you're you're launching this attack whereas like on the previous one with the SSID injection. Like, yeah, that was a big deal, but there was no quick way to do that. Like, you had to have a little bit more finesse to be able to do that other attack and some setup. And I think that, like, when the barrier to entry is so low like this and, like, so many people have flippers in their hands, like, and there's just... The big thing about the world, and especially conferences, there's always assholes. And all it takes is one asshole to ruin it. Like, it literally could be one person that fucks the whole thing up. It's like originally with the D-authors, right? Like, D-authors, like, yeah, like, a single D-author can completely ruin everyone's day. So, single jammer can ruin everyone's day. Everyone within 100 meters, they could ruin their day. Yeah. And so, you know, we just, we have these scenarios, and... To an extent, though, I think that this is where, like, 
sophisticated with wireless doing like uh like signal analysis SIGINT, figure out where it's coming from being able to identify it things like with the wi-fi remember the the um like you made the d-off detector you know something like that that's like oh the blue uh, bluetooth because here's the thing the person who's doing it if somebody came up to their face and said shut that fucker down like they're gonna freak out and be scared you know what i mean just like the d-off detector right it's the same thing like so I think also there's there's a window here for makers, people to create situations where they can detect these attacks. Because Blee is easy to detect. It's super easy to detect. It's super noisy. There's lots of things out there that can detect it. So it should be, and this is an extremely noisy attack to be able to do this. So I think that detection would be a huge, a huge thing that, uh, and, and stand up. People should stand up and start confronting people that are doing this, that are being a dick. So. Yeah. I think you you touch on there very I think you do you know if you can point out exactly who it is and go and confront them it's like you know I think we want to hide in anonymous you know do it nobody can detect me I think that is also a lure to them but if you know that no you you're kind of visible on the spectrum you go you know go fuck yourself I just want to touch space with saying that I think we sold over five hundred thousand units of flippers. That's, uh, you know, you, you talked about critical mass before, and boy, does that device have a critical mass yeah. way out of the hacker league. I mean, we have 30,000 people attending DEF CON. Yeah. You know, if if a mounting pack is around, what, 30,000, 30, let's say that for uh, on a decent global scale, we're now talking about people who has, you know, just technical interest, who has ECSU barrier entries like zero. You, you can just... As you say, it's so fast. You don't have to have a technical knowledge. It's it's strip, script kiddies on, on steroids, basically. The moral, I, it is not, nothing moral with it. I, I think it sucks. And if people want to do it once, yeah, fine. But it, it goes from one end. I think it's it's two part where it goes. First is the original Billy pairing problem was detected by Salva Mendoza. And he you know, wrote about that in 2019. And now people think that the people, you know, the dude who, you know, who made the app, Flipper app, is the inventor, and you know, he done it's like no, he didn't, he didn't do that research. He has made something that's a little bit better. So that's one thing, and you know, I want to state out because shout out to my friend Salva. Uh, and the next one is actually what you, Elkintori, said something before we started recording is that it, it didn't stop with a uh, uh, Billy message spamming. Uh, it continued. Yeah. So we now also have BLE attacks against, uh, what's the official word? Ah, oh, fuck it. Sex toys. <laughs> Butt plugs. Butt plugs. Uh, Luca, uh, famous for the, with uh, double HID Ninja, and uh, Matteo uh, Mandolini. They both um, published a uh, post on the double uh, HID Ninja blog on how they have successfully used the broad, uh, BLE broadcast um, attack vector against uh, sexual gratification toys, and they were able to vibrate all of them remotely. And the, the write-up is a really good write-up. It goes into detail on the hardware setup, you know, they probed and... Um, it's a hardware hacking blog. Uh, yeah. You know, you really go like, oh, wow, that's great, great fun. You know, right. someone did some fun research here. Right. As a hardware hacker myself, I truly enjoy the findings and the methodology that they use. I, I had a chance to uh, DM a render man because he does a lot of Internet of Dongs uh, research. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I was just 
looking into that. One of his takes was that because of the nature of the devices, seeing this as a public attack is less likelier than the Bluetooth against iPhones. Is is that the dude behind the butt plug IO? I don't I don't know if Renderman has butt plug IO or not. He yeah, runs a project it, that talks to all sex toys. It, over no, no, he he does control. security researchers for security research for sexual toys. That's one of his main focus. Yeah, because they made a library that yeah. talks to a whole heap of toys. Right. So I think exploring what Luca has did, you know, the next flipper app, yeah, be a little bit more <laughs> wider targets. Yeah. Uh, and but uh, you know it's also you know what me and dark matter have been saying is that we are in a new era of wireless communication everything is coming online everything is connected you know most things are wireless communicating rather than over a wire right there's there's so much more to see out in the airwaves and there's and the tools to be able to see it yeah. are extremely in it, uh, just extremely cheap uh, like you were saying, Iceman, like, this isn't the first that this research was created. This was really a recreation of other people's projects, whether it was for the sex toys or for the iPhone stuff. Like, this stuff has been around for forever. You just couldn't just download an app and then press go to attack it, right? It was, yeah. you had to go to the GitHub, you had to figure out how to compile it, you had to make sure you had the right microcontroller, you had to make sure you had the right antenna, make sure you had the right transceiver. And then maybe then you could get it to work, right? And so it's like now it's like you already have the hardware package that does everything, and then the software package is one click away. Yeah, it's it's crazy the time we're living in because you can scan it, you can see it, you can interact with it. I mean, even like, seeing it is a lot easier. I mean, I have one of the Adafruit Bluetooth low energy sniffers. I had to label it sniffer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's an exact same board that doesn't have the sniffer version of the firmware, and I have both of them here. So I was like, um, but it plugs into wire circuits, lets you see the packets. And I was like, when I was debugging my version of it, I was just like, oh, well, I can do this. It's a lot easier. I think this is where some of the old timers have a different ethical scale than than the newer generation. But I don't think that's fair. I think the gray bears have an ethical scale because of their age and experience. When I was in my 20s, I was a lot more nefarious than I am now. Because I know the impact. Sure <laughs> right. I also don't want to get arrested anymore, which is the difference, you know. Well, I can only cross over to the RFID world, and I think it was 2018, 2019, uh, where there was some CVEs for Android and the mm. NFC stack there. You know, it was kind of interesting. So it was very easy for me to replicate. You know, you just made an MDEF message and programmed that on a tag, and you presented it to an Android phone with a 4.4, uh, whatever it was, this snow cone thing, name me that, on that sandwich or something like that. Mm. And that would crash the NFC stack. The only way to recover it was to reboot the phone. We never decided to, you know, even if you replicated the work to a CV and, you know, it's just a file that you can, you know, very easily upload to a flipper today and crash old Android phones. It's not out now because it's such an old thing. Uh, but we never released that. We thought that it's, it's no use for us to publish that because what's the purpose with it? You know, what does that teach you when I do it? Oh, great. Your NFC 
part doesn't work anymore until you well, reboot it. Well, and I think too part of this one is I think people like to stick it to Apple whenever they can, right? Yeah. It's like if something comes out that they can be like, "Oh, Apple sucks. Look, here's the proof." I think that I think that there's, there's some of that that's happening. Or even even like the person could be with the Flipper Zero with an Apple in their hand, but they're just like, "Look, it, Apple sucks," and so I think that there's some chip on the shoulder with it as well. So, but but, um, but like, but I think that attacking like, Apple doesn't make you edgy. Not you know what I mean? No. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm different. Yeah, but you're dressed all the fucking same. <laughs> unique, man. I yeah, it's it's you. life of Brian. You are all unique individuals. Yes, we are. You know, it's like <laughs> I think the flipper has its place, and it definitely has mass now. But the question is, does everything have to be a flipper app? Because like I'm waiting for somebody to build like a dock for the flipper that attaches a, like an LCD and a keyboard, and you can use your flipper like a laptop. <laughs> okay, so somebody just, I just ran across this. Somebody kind of did the inverse. They made it so you can dock your uh, Game Boy games and then emulate them yeah, out yeah. to your Game Boy. So, well, I mean, they're getting close. They're getting pretty the, damn close. There is, there is, there's, that, there's that now uh, flipper add-on that lets you play old Game Boy cartridges. I think it's they, they crossed the border over to, to practicality. And the, there are so many user cases now. So with users so they 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 the creative mind is is blowing off yeah so. but it's the same thing with I, the I, raspberry pi when yeah, the raspberry I came pi came stuff. out everybody was building everything on a raspberry pi and make yeah. magazine published an article not all projects have to be a raspberry pi project right <laughs> yeah but right now flipper is the new black you know yeah. that's that's what it is and i said that last year as well because it's just going to increase and we're not seeing the end of it. I, I think, think that it's going to be an avalanche. Of I think they've tied into a couple of different things, though, to be so successful. One is it's a complete, like, finished package. You buy it, and you click it, and you open it up from stock, and you can do shit with it, right? So, like, that's helpful. B, it's built into a case that's hardened that you can put on your keychain. So, like, component-wise, it was thought out really well. And then the next thing is the customization of it basically gives you the entire power of a Raspberry Pi Zero, right? So you've basically got all that power sitting there. So those three things really, because we saw a very similar thing with the Ponagachi when it first came out. Everybody wanted the Ponagachi. It didn't get as critical mass because it wasn't as general purpose as this, right? But however, it had the cutesy, it had the integrated app, it did a thing, and then it was gamified. And so I think that tapping into those things just really catches these projects on fire. Mm -hmm. um, and the then it takes it takes people to adopt it too. It's, if nobody built apps and built stuff for it, I think too the the false scarcity that happened with uh, their their million units or whatever they got held in customs right. for like a month or for like six months. Mm -hmm. I think that helped too because that gave them a lot of traction for a lot of people that wanted them. And it drove the price up to, I saw some on eBay that sold for $1,000 a yeah, unit. Yeah. So I think that false scarcity made everybody be like, I have to get a flipper. So when it came down to 200 bucks, it's like, oh shit, these are cheap. I'll pay $200. And so even people that wouldn't normally spend $200 on a little electronic thing that they're not sure of are, are getting into it now. So I think that this really had a mix of a lot of different things that really just blew it up to where it is, where it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, when you see the Ponagotchi there, it's, it's 
you know, the, the gamification. That was, if you look at the original Kickstarter for Flipper, you know, that's one of the cause, you know, that's one of the leading thing, you know, to tap into the gamification. He really did. I remember reading the Kickstarter and I, I talked to Pavel before about things. I remember saying to him that, you know, you know, I have no need for what you have, but reading it triggers my buy impulse, you know. Yeah. And if you do that, you're good because my buy impulse is very controlled. And I can imagine, you know, how that taps into everybody's just impulse to have it, you know, like the 60,000 units that was stuck, you know, and it's been banned on Amazon, banned in Brazil, banned right. in London. All of that just builds up to hacker mythos that people love, you know, and it is easy to use. You don't need to know very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so like, because I've got like my Glossman's yard, uh, uh, yardstick one yeah so i've got like a yardstick one so it's like the flipper does basically the same thing that that one can do it's more general purpose and you can hook up external antennas and do some more things but it's like i've already got all these like redundant tools that the flipper is but it's like oh it's just so small and easy and and i can put it in my pocket i don't have to hook it up to a laptop i don't have to hook it up to a thing it's self self-sufficient right yeah so i think that that also is another thing that's helpful is that it's a standalone device that is easy to, to interact with easy to trigger so no I, like when when i first got mine i was i was really surprised by the build quality because i've seen some other kickstarter projects that were similar in nature and their production quality was just shit. Whereas the Flipper Zero actually came out, and I was really impressed by the production quality. And I had a chance to talk to the team this year, and I told them that is that look, you know, congratulations on success. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a fun project, but at the same time, I think they need to step up their marketing team uh, to put out the messages out there. We're a tool. Use it with thinking about it first, you know. I think it's going to be flippers going to be more headlines for next year oh. uh, for 2024 yeah. uh yeah i totally agree and i think kudos and congratulations to the flipper team making an awesome product and well deserved the success but i think i think i think repeated. I, I lost the link but somebody sent me another device that looks like another terminal yeah. hacker yeah, game yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i was just like all right whatever they actually took the kickstarter text just Paste it over so you can see Flipper mentions it. <laughs> it's like a, there's going to be a slew of them coming out. How, well, and then I was thinking too, like how long until we get like a Flipper clone that that works basically as well, but costs fifty bucks. I was talking to uh, the Flipper team about that, and they said because of their their unique design decisions that they've made, still unlikely for the next couple months or a year. We've seen what happened to the Proxmark. I mean, there are more clones out there. Than the real one. Same for the hacker porta pack. There's like, you know, there's a shit ton of porta packs out there that are not the original, and they all kind of work and don't work. DNA. Yeah, work and not work, but there's a cheap copy is going to come there, you know, and eventually somebody. Yeah, at the end of the day, if there's a market, then there's a market to make a cheap, a cheap alternative to it that does everything, most everything that it can do. And a lot, I don't I'm not sure what the firmware, how the firmware is loaded on these, but I'm somebody I'm sure has got to figure out a way to sideload onto a separate device. Yeah, I mean, the, the firmware is you can download, so you can technically, that's how everybody builds their own version of the firmware, right? There's why there's a gazillion different firmware versions out there. 
Yeah, yeah. So if, if you looked into the development of it, it's kind of stable and right. so good, well written. Yeah. So it shouldn't be too hard for people to port over to other devices or styles of devices. Yeah, tremendous connection with the ports, but you know, if you're a good hardware guy and a person, that wouldn't be an issue either. So it's bound to happen because of a huge success. Everything that's a huge success will get copies of it as cheaper. Well, and do I just came up across? It looks like all of the schematics and bill materials are fully available on their website. So just needs to take someone to, to put it into a board design. I, I envision in the next year we'll have a badge that's a flipper zero, just like we've had a badge that's been a uh, jtagulator. We've had a badge that's been a bus pirate. We've had badges that have had all sorts of other existing tools built into them that are conference badges and people just put them on a different layout. What's the conference badge with Proxmoc uh, free apparently at CSSC uh, in the beginning of the 2000s. Uh, that was awesome. I want oh, one. Oh, wow. So if someone of our viewers has one, I really want one. <laughs> That's incredible. And I yeah. know he will, he, will do, he will do anything to achieve that. So, Iceman, looking back on the Proxmark world, what was... 2023 like uh, well it's, it's been a little bit in a shadow of, of the flipper because right. everything that proximate can do has been ported over to flipper more or less from a low frequency it's in the proximate world was really it's now we're suffering from no more contributions so mm -hmm. uh, you know, the users is, is less in that sense we tend to see in the community there that we're going to see the flipper as a stepping stone so people are going to use that one be curious enough to know more when they hit on the limitations and then they come over to their rfid hacking world so that's how we see it we don't see it as computers or anything like that but uh, it's but, but the entry of, of knowledge is very low so there's very many newbies coming out thinking that we can clone mastercards and, and stuff like that but regardless of that, one of the most important things that happened was Proxmo 2003. We had just two releases uh, this year with the firmware coming up with updates with modern things. And it was a, I don't want to out him, but it's a Chinese contributor that made a, he has improved the US, the communication ways where we can talk with Proxmo. Yes, for the fun of it, we've been able to use TCP packages to communicate oh, with yeah. the device and oh, or communicate with the client. So you have a client connected to the device, and then you have, you know, you can sit in, in Tokyo and connect to my Proxmark over TCP. So we made a fun, but, you know, maybe we can do it faster. So I added support for UDP. And he took that to the next level and, you know, and made that faster. So <laughs> connecting with UDP now is much more faster. We all get, you know, like, you know, one megabytes of transfer speeds now. It's like bazengas. And we use that in Termux and Android. So when you uh, you know connect with Bluetooth over ter uh, with Termux and Android, so you use, you connect with TCP bridges. But now you can also do a UDP bridge. However, doing all that stuff, he had an end goal, and that was to be able to do live sniffing. Mm -hmm. And real time sniffing on Proxmark is yes not doable because you know that was a we have sixty four kilobytes of RAM. You know that's it, and we eat about. Uh, Plenty about that once we have about 40k available to collect data and then transfer them over USB packages or command packages to the client. So he just came up since we speeded up the UDB packages that fast, he made a custom implementation for transport layer 
which makes Proxmog and a client sending 64 kilobyte, uh, 64 bytes packages, much, much smaller. But he made that in a read buffer. <laughs> so now that's up there. Uh, it's almost real time sniffing, and you can make packages that's like 300k, one megabyte large, like a normal, you know, signal roll. Blew my mind because that was just that was someone taking something that was, that I thought was stale, and it's like we sold it. Wow! What? So, I mean, given the fact that there be more contactless communication, do do you think do you think that RFID NFC will see a bump in, in in up to this point it seemed very limited in the sense that it was access cards mainly and now it's in clothing tags it's in other stickers it's everywhere yeah the rfid tags are everywhere and and you notice you will notice on your phones that mm -hmm. apple and they're working really really hard by adding um the physical credentials, the credential data onto the phone. So you're going to be able to access uh, door controllers in that sense. So you don't need tags anymore and or custom BLE app or, or like that. Or, but or, it, or in your hand. Or in your hand, <laughs> like we all cybergs. Uh, and and not even for a car, for open your Tesla or those entries. It, it's, it's going to work more like that. So Apple and Android or Google is going into that direction because they know everything is wireless or it's really going to be more wireless right. and they really want to put everything in the phones. It's been researched into it and more about the value-added services protocol that Apple is doing, you know, the payments and, and all the memberships. So it's, it's ads. It's very interesting in that sense. So, uh, the world of RFID and, and wireless, it's for 2024. It's going to be... It's more of those things. We, we, it's not going to see a stop of it.